Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Luis Scott, managing partner of Bader Scott and the owner of the eight-figure firm. Luis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on Lawyer Business Advantage. So with regards to the eight-figure firm, I have to ask you, why should the owner of a law firm aspire to have an eight-figure firm? I love that question. And uh, the way I I answer it is that I believe that when you get to eight figures, which is 10 million in predictable revenue, that you will have a business that operates on its own. And and that's what I call uh, turning a service-based business into a passive income business. And so if you are an entrepreneur that aspires to have passive income, uh, many times we think about real estate or 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 other things, you know, maybe drop shipping on on Amazon or something like that. But you can actually do that with your law firm. And I think the threshold is that ten million dollar mark. And what happens at the ten million dollar mark, such that the the managing partner or the attorney is is freed up? Yeah, and and you know, it's 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 funny because it, there's not really a, a magic, right? There's like a real um, uh, practical reason, and that is at ten million, you can actually afford true leaders. And when you are smaller, it's much harder to afford a $200,000, you know, COO or a $200,000 CFO at 10 million. Now you have enough bandwidth to pay the payroll that, that having a predictable, well-run, what we call professionalizing the organization, a well-run organization requires. And so what I have found is when you get to 10 million, you're able to afford all the executives that you need to run your company. And that's the moment that the company is in good hands. But before that, it's just you. And if it's the Dependent on you, it's not passive, and if it's not passive, then you're, you're you really have a job um, that you're having to work. Yeah. The other question I'm sure the attorney entrepreneurs who are listening or maybe asking is, okay, so Luis at a ten figure firm, then as the attorney, how much law am I practicing? I mean, I've got to be practicing a lot of law, right? Well, if, you know, for me, it, it, thankfully, I didn't want to practice law anymore. So uh, thankfully, <laughs> the answer was you don't have to practice anything. But there are people and, and I have a couple of clients I've now helped in addition to the firm that I, I personally own. I've helped eight law firms reach eight figures and predictable revenue. What I have found is that there's a mixed bag. Some people want to continue practicing law and some people don't. You can choose what you want to do. And that's the beauty of it is is you you can take as many or as little cases as you, as you want to take. That's really cool. And I totally get this because a lot of our clients are looking to build a seven-figure firm. So get up to that million, get up to two million, three million, four million, that kind of thing. And um, the big focus for us as well is on quality of life. And so being able to take time off, being able to take a month off if you want to and having a good team and having a good work-life balance. But in the equation is never this idea of okay, well, I don't have to practice law if I don't want to, because at that size, five million or less the attorney is, or, or the partners have to continue to practice law if they want to. So that's a pretty cool idea. And uh, what are some of the things that you see, maybe just looking at, at the eight firms that help that you've helped do that, what are some of the things that you've seen that get in the way of growing to that eight-figure firm? Yeah, I think one of the things is um, kind of a micromanagement um, approach. And uh, many entrepreneurs are actually guilty of this because they start the business, they they, they do it on on true, true grit. You know, you hear about the grind, they're working 16 hours a day, they're grinding, grinding, grinding. They're accustomed to making every single decision 
And you have to learn how to turn from that grinder mentality into the CEO mentality. And so the biggest barrier is how do I transition from being a grinder and being a hustler and making every decision to now being a leader and allowing other people to make decisions, which could result in failure. Uh, and so that is a very hard transition for many uh, law firm owners or entrepreneurs in general. To me, if, if you can overcome that, uh, that'll be the biggest uh, roadblock that you'll have to face on your way to uh, $10 million in, in predictable revenue. And there's a lot of things you can do for that. You can have a great coach. Uh, that's n number one, but also working on, on your mindset and understanding that that becoming a CEO is really what creates the true quality of life in your business. So how is the mindset of a CEO different from the mindset of a grinder? The mindset of a CEO is I, I don't have to do everything. I just have to be a master delegator. I have to be really, really good at getting people to act on my behalf. I have to be really, really good at finding great talent and letting them use their God-given abilities to do what they need to do. Like the people are born with certain abilities, wh wh whatever they are, you know, I, I always find it fa fascinating that that there are some people that are just super gifted at organization or operations or project management um, or engineering or anything like that. And it's like, it, it's, it almost feels like we, we were born with these things. Well, finding those people and you and plugging them into your business is what, what differentiates a true CEO and a true leader is how do I find those people, lead them in a way that they act on my behalf and create an organization that runs uh, essentially like a system. And how easy is that? Uh, <laughs> well, the people are the hardest part, right? So that that the the people are the hardest part. And the reason is because either we have an expectation of them that we don't communicate, or we have an expectation of them that they don't meet, or uh, they have an expectation of us that is unrealistic. And so what what ends up happening is when we have a mixed bag of expectations, different backgrounds, uh, different work styles, different work ambitions, different different you know understandings of what needs to happen, it creates a tremendous amount of friction in an organization. And I, I believe that the people are the hardest part. So doing that is actually quite challenging. And you have to uh, dedicate a, a significant amount of time to finding the right people and developing the right uh, the right in, in personnel for your organization. And that's why I'm so um, adamant about establishing an employee avatar. You know, we talk about the client avatar, but many people don't talk about the employee avatar. What is your employee avatar? Like, what are you looking for? What is the right person for your organization? If you can find that, that can make a massive difference in, in you hiring properly or not. Awesome. I love the idea of an employee avatar. I haven't heard that before. I've heard of uh, matching people up in terms of culture, you know, and those kinds of things, but the employee avatar is a new concept. That's pretty awesome. Um, I like it. So if someone is looking to grow into that larger firm, whether they want to continue being a practicing attorney or whether they want to continue, you know, uh, being a CEO or whether they want to transition to being, a, you know, a full-time CEO of their law firm, what I'm hearing is that managing people, finding the right people, leading the right people is really, really important. What if they don't like people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if I like people. I mean, it, it, you know, it's uh, people are hard. They're hard. And, and I had a mentor of mine who one time said that the worst experiences you will ever have in life is because of people. But the best experiences you will have in life is also because of people. So don't let the worst experiences prevent you from having the best experiences. And I've really held on to that, that saying, and, and, I, and I've just decided that despite how troubling it can be sometimes working with people and, and how difficult it could be to manage people, to work together as a collective with people who maybe you're equal, uh, the best experiences in life are always celebrated with other people. 
And so I've just overcome it that way. If you don't like people, then it's very likely that you're going to have to hire a very gifted uh, people person to to be your conduit. And uh, I've, I've talked about this with uh, some of my entrepreneur lawyers who are just very abrasive and very rough around the edges. And I tell them, you need to find somebody who can create a little bit of space between you and the rest of the team because you're going to be the bottleneck in your organization because you're going to run everybody off. And I see that a lot, unfortunately. A lot of uh, you know high-level leaders actually run off their team, but then they say, well, the team's weak or the team's not good or they're just emotional or they don't make good decisions or they're not rational or that's not true. And, and really, it's they're running them off. They just don't want to accept it. I can't find any good people. All these people are idiots. I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> I, I have heard I have heard that <laughs> once or twice. And uh, when you hear that, you know you have uh, someone who who is not prepared for the leadership road ahead of them. They they need more more preparation. Well, as the saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with the team. Yes. I love that saying. That's absolutely critical. Yeah. So uh going back to um law firms that aren't at that that aren't at the eight figure stage, now they're thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds really cool. I would like to lead a team. I have some people on my payroll and I love the fact that I'm an employer and I have these employees and I get to help them and support them and grow them professionally and enable them to have great personal lives. I want to do more of that. What is kind of the the first step? Because they've got to get to that point where they can afford to hire good people, yeah. but then they're also out of time right now. So what's typically the first step? I mean, I think the first step is filling your pipeline with clients. And, and uh, so I have three different phases that I that I teach on the way to, to eight, eight figures. And uh, the first phase is zero to three million. Zero to three million, your primary focus is actually client acquisition. So if you are uh, zero to three million, I always say, yes, you want good people. And yes, you want good systems. And yes, you want good lawyers and all that. But really what you need to do is you need to figure out a way to acquire clients. That should be your primary focus. All of your mental energy, your your time energy to the extent that you can uh, dedicate time should be in client acquisition. I remember when I started my law firm originally before having a partner, um, it was called the Scott Law Firm. And the first five months I generated a hundred clients because literally all I did was go out and network and, you know, a, a hustle market sell. I don't know who says that, that phrase, but a hustle market sell. I was out there getting clients, getting clients, getting clients, getting clients. And uh, I was going to worry about the, the legal work later. Like I just needed the clients to come in and pay me the pay me the money. But that's phase one. Phase two is three to eight million. That's where you're in people acquisition. You're going to have a lot of turnover there, especially if you're scaling really fast. You, you want to just focus on people getting people. At this point, you have figured out how to get clients, right? Because you're already above $3 million. You know how to get clients. Now you're just like, how do I get people? How do I get people? How to get people? That's where the employee avatar comes in. And then 8 million to about 15 million, but I usually say 8 million and above, you're in the leadership zone. That's where, how do I get leaders? How do I develop leaders? And how do I create leaders? And then I always say 15 and above, um, you, you want to be scaling leadership. And so that's that's the fourth phase. But, but to get to eight figures, you're going to go through three phases. And so if you are in the zero to three, focus, the next step is to focus uh, on preparing a plan that gets you as many clients as you can. And that plan should, should be uh, all of the grassroots things that you probably did when you first opened up your law firm, which was to tell people that you own a law firm. And so we need to get back to that you know, that, that, uh, period where you're just out there hustling, marketing and selling. Very cool. Luis, uh, what practice area, uh, are you in? So, uh, my firm is a personal injury and workers comp firm. Yep. Got it. And you work with other, uh, firms and other practice areas as well. 
Yeah. So uh, personal injury makes up about 10% of all of the the firms that we work with. Uh, we work with uh, almost 100. I would say like 25% of them are family law, 20% of them are immigration, and uh, 20% of them are like estate planning. So uh, more of like the billable hour flat fee type of, of firms that I work with. Yeah. That's interesting because um, when we're working with clients who are not at that point, if they were to do that and just focus on client acquisition, they would completely burn themselves out. And we don't work with a lot of PI firms. We work with one or two, but most of our clients are, uh, you know, family law, estate planning, immigration, um, business transaction law, that kind of thing. And what we found is that um, there's a, a formula we use called the 2010-5 rule, which is where they're spending 20 hours of and this is for the the owner of the firm 20 hours of billable work for clients uh 10 hours of marketing and business development which for most attorneys is a lot per week 10 mm-hmm. hours a week and then five hours on the admin side that gives them a really good platform from which to determine okay now i'm ready to make my next hire because you can't get to three million in a lot of practice areas as a solo right you, you got to start hiring people before that and so we kind of work them through that process um, but I love the idea of focusing on building not only 3 million in clients, but a pipeline and proven systems that can provide $3 million in clients and beyond so that the firm has a good platform for success to grow. Um, and when you're working with clients, how do you keep them focused on client acquisition when they're incredibly busy? Because we all know when attorneys are busy, the first thing that drops marketing and business development. But by the way, I, I love your formula. I, I, um, it's a really good way to kind of like organize your your life for sure. I think when you're working with clients and you, you've probably um, had a similar experience, you're really trying to figure out what their goals are. And um, one of the things that we attract at Eight Figure Firms specifically are entrepreneurial clients that are that are seeking aggressive growth these are the these are the people that are super highly ambitious i mean they they want to go from a million to 10 million very fast so i had a family law firm who hired me in 2021 at the end of last year she did 10 million dollars in, in revenue we started at 1.1 million and the level of the person's ambition will determine the level of their worth work ethic and there is nothing wrong with not having a 16 hour day work ethic. I think people get this mistaken. It's like, I'm, I never say that working 16 hours a day is a good thing. I, I, I'm just saying that the level of your ambition, b- both on, in, in the time horizon and to the size of your organization will determine your work ethic. And I, and I love what, what Gary V says about um, his ambition and his work ethic. He says, I work 16 hours a day because I wanna buy the New York Jets. But if you don't want to buy the New York Jets, you don't have to work 16 hours a day. So it's it's all about figuring out what kind of business you want to have, how fast you want to grow it, how big you want to grow it, and then determining what is the work ethic required for that. And you put in that that time period. So to to go back, I, I went long there to answer this question. But, y- you know, if a person wants to grow really, really fast, they are going to have to work more than the traditional 40 hours a week. There's no doubt about that for a short period of time. However, if a person wants to uh, grow in a more structured, uh, what I would call a reasonable rate, by the way, I've had clients who tell me I don't, I cannot, you know, mentally, emotionally manage that kind of speed. Then there are other ways to do that, that work really, really well. And so uh, this, the, the approach that I use is just one approach um, and it's generally geared towards people who are super, super high ambitious, super, super ready to commit, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours um, for a short period of time. And uh, but but if you're not there, then for sure, it makes it a little bit more complicated. 
Yeah, it makes sense. And I guess the crime there would be if you are working those 18, you know, hour, 20, you know, 16 hour days, but you're not on a growth path mm. to building an eight figure firm. That is just terrible. So oh, that, if you're going to work it, that time, have that ambition. It's it's super de- demoralizing. It's demoralizing. Yeah. yeah, it's demoralizing. And if you don't, you know, want the eight figure firm, then don't work those hours, right? But either way, you've got to get square with what you want in your law firm. I totally agree with that. And what I have seen in the eight firms that I've uh, uh, helped across the finish line is that the time period to actually go from 1 million to 10 million is about 36 to 48 months. And so when 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 I'm uh, meeting a new client and I'm talking to them about their goals, I the, the question I ask them is number one, do they want to be an eight-figure uh, law firm in predictable revenue? And number two, are they willing to commit three three to four years to do this? And if they say yes to both of those things, then uh, we've we've got a commitment locked in that we can now use to continuously uh, encourage them and motivate them when things get tough, uh, because things do get tough in this process. Yeah. And you got to pull them back and say, look, here's what you talked about, right? <laughs> yeah. This is still relevant. So dig deep and make it happen. No, I, I love that. And so curious, a lot of your clients that you bring in, you worked with right now with about a hundred of them. What is their typical motivation to uh, building an eight figure firm? Maybe their top, I don't know, two or three motivations that drive them to do that. Believe it or not, I, I, I thought when we were helping people do this, I, I thought that their motivation was money. And I thought that their motivation was that they didn't want to be lawyers. And those are two of the reasons. But what I'm finding is many of these uh, entrepreneur lawyers want to do other things. Uh, they, they, they want to be uh, speakers. They want to be uh, authors. They want to be in other types of industries. And they found themselves in the legal profession and did not know how to get out of it. And so what we're providing is a pathway for them to, to engage in, uh, in, in other uh, businesses. And um, that was my story, actually. And I became a lawyer. Uh, I, I, I love the profession. I think we do great work. I started a law firm, but it wasn't my passion to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a speaker and I wanted to be a writer. And I just came out with my second book two days ago. And uh, yeah, thank you. And, uh, and I keep, I keep plugging that I'm an Amazon bestseller. You know, I got, I got that that tag uh, because I got, I got number one uh, after the first day. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to be a speaker and I wanted to be a, um, a, a coach and mentor. What I'm doing right now is the passion that I have. And so that's the motivation for people to grow this business to eight figures is because if you know it's going to develop passive income and you know it's going to give you the time freedom that you need to do what you're really passionate about, then uh, the motivation becomes even more intense. I love that. And I'm, I'm not surprised that it's not about the money because if you wanted a lot of money, you don't need to have you know, an eight-figure firm, you can do that with, you know, five million. You just have a pretty good take home at the end of the day. So it makes 100% a lot of sense. hundred percent correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very absolutely. cool. So tell us a little bit about your book. So uh, the book that I just wrote, so I, I have a I have a previous book where I, where I talk about kind of my system and so forth, but I had a project that I'd been working on for about three years and it was a kind of my personal story of like, you know, starting businesses. I started like eight or 10 businesses that did not succeed. And just kind of my journey to the failures and how it taught me lessons that have made me the success that I am today. Well, in that process, I I realized that I had uh, been suffering from uh, undiagnosed depression. And I had gone about 20 years of my life feeling very, very sad. And I always thought it was uh, the failures, you know, the business failures, 
Um, I had gotten divorced in that process. I lost my first business partnership uh, that I was in and, and the, the place I worked for 14 years. And I thought those things were were holding me back, but I realized I was actually looking at everything through, through a, a lens of depression. And so I then rewrote portions of the book to now capture that essence. And so it's really a story of me discovering myself and then the lessons and how to use setbacks, hurts, failures, negativity, negative people, things that have really, you know, uh, uh, hurt you and using that to turn your life around. And so my, my story is essentially, I, I, I lost everything. Uh, I was in bankruptcy, uh, car was being repossessed, house was in foreclosure. And seven years later, uh, I turned into a massive success, but it was because of the 15 years that I, uh, that I suffered. And so uh, tragedy can lead to triumph. And that's the, that's the purpose of the book. Sounds incredibly powerful. What's the title? Where do we find it? Uh, the title is It Has to Hurt, and you can find it on Amazon and uh, under Louise Scott. So It Has to Hurt is the title. And right now, if you get it, it's uh, currently uh, uh, the Kindle version is, is available along with paperback and, and hardcover, but I'm getting ready to do the audiobook. I know that's a big thing. And so we're going to record the audiobook and have it out as well. Oh, fantastic, Luis. Well, congratulations on publishing the book. It sounds incredibly powerful. And that's the second book you've published. There's another one there too, uh, just waiting, which is awesome. Um, what else are you excited about with regards to the eight-figure firm over the next year or so? I'm excited about really developing a network and a community of people who support each other. You know, we live in an environment where people are uh, so jealous and envious of people who succeed. And I want a community of people who are just um, cheering on others who choose to succeed. Because I think that when we succeed as entrepreneurs, we provide jobs and opportunities for other people who may not, not be entrepreneurs. I always say, tell people about my wife. My wife has an incredible work ethic, but she's not an entrepreneur and, and she needs an entrepreneur to provide her a place to work. At least when she was working, you know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't work anymore, but, but when she was working, she needed an entrepreneur's vision to provide her a place to work. And so I, I feel very passionate about entrepreneurs having a space where they can be proud of the things that they've achieved. And they don't have to feel like somebody's saying, oh my gosh, look at this, you know, pretentious uh, snob who's bragging about everything. So I want to build a community of, of law firm owners who are really proud of success, achievement, and uh, making our communities and, and our, uh, our, our economy uh, a better uh, economy and a better community. Doing great work for others too. We're providing a service and the best businesses, the ones that grow the fastest, typically provide a really high level of service. And that's awesome. And your employees feel great about that too. I, I think that's great, Luis. Um, if people want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that? So I have a single site. It's louisscottjr.com. So louisscottjr.com. You can find all of my links, my books. Um, you can contact me there and uh, you can find all of my social media handles as well on that page. Awesome. Louis, thank you so much for joining us today. Really enjoyed our conversation. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. 
We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.